Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the devil. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and it is my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I am Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, the devil made me do it. It's a popular line. <laughs> Partly perhaps where the topic came from. This is a listener question. Let's start with who is the devil? And I guess we go all the way back to the Old Testament for this. Well, it's an interesting thing because I think that the devil, as we understand the devil, probably has its origins in much more recent, I'd say, 4th or 5th century, more so than going way back. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. But the evil one, the one that we equivalent, is that a word? Sure. The one that we say is Satan, does go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Okay. Because we have this temptation story of a serpent coming to Eve and Adam and offering them the apple from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. And that serpent is called the evil one. So not necessarily called Satan. No. Or devil. No, and not necessarily like overtly bad in terms of he's not killing anybody. Right. It's the temptation part of it, huh? Yeah, exactly. And so another time when we see this evil one is with Job. Okay. So the evil one comes to God and says, I bet that I can make this person say that he doesn't believe in you. And God says, no way that person's going to believe in you. And Satan says, really? Watch this. And then they get in like this match as to who can say whether or not Job is going to denounce God. So it's again, it's this temptation kind of a figure. And it's tempting God in a way. It's kind of interesting to me that you have to be right with this fourth century idea because temptation doesn't necessarily mean evil to me the way now when you say the devil, you think just straight up evil. Right. And even when we see the tempter in the New Testament, when we get into Jesus gets baptized and then goes out into the desert and is tempted by the evil one, Mm -hmm. we say that that is Satan. And it's the temptation scene in the desert. And we're going to hear about that next week on Ash Wednesday. Okay. And our first podcast was about Ash Wednesday Mm -hmm. because Easter was earlier last year. So it was a couple weeks ago last year. But on Ash Wednesday, we hear this story of the temptation in the desert when Jesus is out there and this evil one comes and says, you're hungry. Why don't you turn this rock into bread? And Jesus says no. And this tempter tempts Jesus to use his capacities and abilities for his own benefit over and over again. And the success of that story is that Jesus says no to those temptations and no to using his abilities and his capacities only for his own benefit. So I think in scriptural basis, the understanding of who the evil one is, is this kind of tempter, this being that gives us the allure of taking care of ourselves and only ourselves and using the gifts that we've been given only for ourselves And having the knowledge of what is good and what is bad and the ability to say, I am good and you are bad and what I believe is right and you are wrong. That whole capacity of self and selfishness Mm -hmm. is that evil one in our scripture. 
culturally. Yeah, how do you get from that to what we understand is the devil now? Very different, isn't it? So now we have this idea of a human man with horns mm-hmm. who is this fallen angel who fought with God in the beginning of time and fell from God's favor and is now this evil being that comes and makes deals with you and steals your soul or tortures you in hell and keeps you in the prison of eternal damnation. That's kind of the image I think that people think of when they think of the devil now. Sure. That didn't really come about until later in theology. And it really got solidified in Dante's Inferno. Okay. And the book that Dante wrote about the different levels of hell and Mephistopheles as this, which is the name for the Mm -hmm. devil in that particular book, who runs this giant multi-layered prison system, shall Mm -hmm. we say. And that image of hell in and of itself really was solidified and given words and ideas in Dante's Inferno. Fascinating. Okay, so that's Mephistopheles. There's also Lucifer, Beelzebub, Satan. Where do all of these come from then? Different languages and different places in our scripture and different cultural names for the evil one or the tempter. So the term morning star comes from the Old Testament and the evil one falling like the morning star. And so that gets pulled from there. Okay. I don't know all the background to Lucifer and Beelzebub and how they came about. The word Satan is very similar to the word shaitan. Okay. That's the word that gets used in another of our Abrahamic traditions, right? So we have the Abrahamic faiths or those faiths that come from the line of Abram. And that is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Okay. And in Islam, they talk about shaitan as being the evil one, the tempter. And actually, my understanding of the devil probably was the most formed and the most influenced while I was in seminary when I took a class in Sufism, which is the mystical practice of Islam. Okay. We have to take a non-Christian religion course at the seminary that I attended in Berkeley. And so I took a class in Sufism. And Sheikh Yassir taught us about this concept of shaitan. And his explanation was just brilliant and it really just resonated with me. And he said the shaitan is the idea of the nefs, the ego. Mm -hmm. And it's this temptation that I matter the most and I am the most important. And so whatever I do in order to make me the most important and to make me well That is shaitan. That is the temptation. And if we think about the evils and the things that we do in the world that cause such heartache and such breaking down of society and breaking down of community, it's when we become so selfish that all we are doing is thinking about our own good world and our own good being. Mm -hmm. Right. So if all I do is worry about Will I have enough or I want to have enough food and storage that I am never hungry and I want all the clothes in the world and I want all these things. And if all I'm worried about is me and myself and I, like the ego does, then the choices that I'm going to make are going to cause harm to others because I'm not putting 
their well-being in consideration at all. I will steal, I will lie, I will indulge in corruption, perhaps I will kill, I will cause untold pain to others, I'll take advantage of them, I'll have slaves, I'll say no to people in need, because all I'm doing is taking care of myself, and I'm the only one who matters. And so with that being the driving force, self being the driving force, the evil in the world just expands and expands and expands. And so in Islam, they call this shaitan, and they battle shaitan, they battle the evil in themselves and the putting self above everyone else by praying over and over and over again through the day. And by making that time, and, and Sheikh Yassir described it as, every time I pray, I am stopping to get all the other passengers out of my bus that I've picked up. And all of the things that I've picked up through the day that are heavy and hard and are trying to make me just think about myself and take care of myself, I've had them on my bus and I'm asking them to please exit and then I can continue the rest of my day and I'll pick up other people throughout the rest of the day that have me just making myself want to think of only myself. But I will stop again in a few hours and I will open the door and I will ask them to leave. I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around this idea that the devil isn't really a character in the Bible the way we've sort of been trained culturally to think of it. It's something else. Jesus never actually talks about the devil then, does he? Nope. It's shocking to me that it is. He does say at one point in time, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Okay. Do you remember when that is? I don't remember what it is, but I've heard the reference a million times. Okay, so what's happened is Jesus is walking along and he's just told his disciples that he's going to be arrested and killed and that he's going to die and that that is where this path is leading him. And Peter says to him, don't say this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to die. You can do anything. You are the son of God, right? Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Stop tempting me. Don't tempt me with that. Can you imagine being the son of God, having all the power in the entire world and all that temptation to just fix it, Uh to just make the world a better place, to just end the cruelties of this world, all that power. But if Jesus did that, then we would be no more than puppets and we would have no free will and we wouldn't be able to be in genuine relationship with God because it wouldn't be a choice. And God values relationship and free will above everything because God has created us in order to be in relationship with God. That's the whole point of human beings being created in God's image so that God could be in relationship with us. And if God didn't give us that free will, it wouldn't be a real relationship. And so Jesus has all this power, can make everything better, can take away all the stuff that we do that separates us from one another, that tears our communities apart. And Peter says, don't die. Don't go to the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Don't tempt me with this. I would imagine that to be the greatest temptation ever. Mm -hmm. Just to start it over. To do another flood. Right? Like that kind of a temptation. Jesus totally could have done that. And instead was taking the path all the way to the cross. That's a pretty powerful image. It is. It's the crux of our faith, Mm -hmm. right? That Jesus would instead say, love is going to win and I'm going to show you 
that no matter how cruel you get, no matter how much you let your own temptation and your own need to take care of your own self, no matter how much this idea of shaitan is going to rule you, I'm going to show you that love and community and self-sacrifice for the better of the community is more powerful than just taking care of yourself. It's the point of our gospel. It's the point of what Jesus did. I'm still trying to deal with this version of devil that we have and how we got there. And it's so popular. I mean, he shows up everywhere. Well, it's convenient to have an enemy. Is that just it? We needed a face to go along with the idea of it? Who knows? I think this idea, I actually had this fabulous conversation with a skater the other night and she found out that I was a pastor. I didn't realize I hadn't come out to her as a pastor yet, but (laughs) she found out that I'm a pastor. And then we spent an hour rolling in circles and talking about religion and faith. Mm -hmm. And she grew up Jewish. And I don't want to say too much because I don't have her permission specifically to share stuff. So I don't want to do too much of that. But one of the things that she talked about was how surprised she was when she recognized that there was no hell in Judaism, that there's no belief in hell. Oh, that's like a core of the whole Catholic thing. You do it or you're going to hell or purgatory. Right? Okay. So then the question was, where does hell come from? And where does this idea of hell come from? Because it's not in the Jewish faith. And it truly isn't a part of that. So where does hell come from? Well, the closest we can get in our scripture is Jesus starts talking about if you don't do these things, and I'm I'm going to go out on a limb because I don't have stuff with me to double check myself. So if you're listening to the podcast and you know I'm wrong, call me out on Facebook, call me out publicly. It's okay. We'll correct it on the podcast page. We'll correct page. it on the podcast page at centralportland.org. But I'm pretty sure this is in the Gospel of Matthew okay. because it's kind of a Matthew thing to have the do the good things or else, right? So Jesus says, if you're not doing these things, you will be cast to the outer darkness. You will be cast into Gehenna is the word. Okay. And the word Gehenna is a reference to outside of the city walls of Jerusalem, there's the city dump. (laughs) And that's Gehenna. So have you ever been to a developing nation and seen like a major metropolis area cities dump? No. Okay. So I'm sure I've seen pictures somewhere though. Like videos, you might see like world vision videos or that kind of a thing where they're, you know, walking into city dumps and seeing the children who are starving and those kind of images. It's scary enough seeing some of those third world countries dealing with recycling. I can't even imagine what an actual dump would be like. Okay. The example that I have personally is when I went to Nicaragua and we were in the city of Managua and we went to the city dump. And what I can describe is that when we pulled in to the city dump, there was a village there. Okay. There were shacks and there were homes. There were dogs. There was cattle grazing. Okay. People lived there because they lived there because they could scavenge food scraps and they can scavenge supplies and Mm -hmm. recyclable materials and those kinds of metals and things like that that they could turn in for money, right? In the midst of that, bio waste, medical waste, people of 
desperation. Mm -hmm. And what are the things that kind of lives with people of desperation, right? There's violence and there's taking advantage of each other and there's theft. And the dogs are right on the edge of wild, right? And Uh feral animals and it's dangerous. And then at night, what do you do in a dump at night when everything you've gone through everything and you want to make room for something else? You burn the refuse, right? You burn what you can to make room for new. So when Jesus is talking about you'll be cast to the outer darkness, you'll be cast into Gehenna, you'll be sent to the city dump. You'll be sent to this place where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth Mm -hmm. and hunger and wild dogs and fires that burn constantly. It's this place of danger and outside of the community, right? Because if you've been out there, you can't, you're not clean. You can't be a part of the inner community. You don't have the same safety network. You don't have the same kind of opportunities to even attend worship because you've touched things that make you unclean. So you can't attend worship. So you're cut off from community. You're cut off from God. That is what Jesus references as hell. That's pretty good. Okay. Now, that has nothing to do with afterlife. No, it really doesn't. Nothing to do with the afterlife. In the same way that when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven and what the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus is not talking about the afterlife. Jesus is talking about right here, right now. What God's kingdom is like is finding things that have been lost, is something small becoming something grand, is radical forgiveness and radical welcome and hospitality. That's the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven isn't something that you earn and you get into. The kingdom of heaven is something that by doing these things, we create among ourselves right here, right now. And if we don't work to create these things right here, right now, we end up where? Broken community. Gehenna. It's all about living in the now. It's not about something we earn. So when did we get this concept of heaven and hell and this afterlife that we fight for? And we cling to. And we cling to, right? And I can't say that I have done a ton of academic research to find out when this kind of idea started happening. But what I can say is that when you have an illiterate and impoverished group of people, it's really easy to control them if you have ideas of what they're striving to earn after they die. Mm-hmm. So in the Middle Ages, Catholicism was the only kind of... We're back to selling indulgences. We're back to selling indulgences. Because now it's about, I can't read the scripture to see that this idea doesn't exist, but I can watch in the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages, theater was banned. Mm -hmm. And so the only theater that was allowed was these plays that showed a human person having this story, falling into disrepute, and then being sucked into hell. And the scenery was really scary, and there were demons, and there was the devil who would come and, like, take you to hell. And those plays would be played out in the streets where the peasants could watch it. And then someone could come and say, hey, if you pay enough, this won't happen to you. Well, let's not discount the art in the churches themselves. Some of that imagery, which is geared towards those who can't read, they're going to tell you the stories in the Bible 
Uh, I've seen some church ceilings depicting hell. That's pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great way to control a populace. Oh, totally. Fear is always, a, you know, I say that with great irony. <laughs> well, we're, <laughs> right. we're living it right now, too. I mean, fear is a technique and a tactic to control large groups of people that has been used for time immemorial. And what we hear in that, what I hear in that, is that we are still broken, that we are still trying to find our way to that kingdom of heaven, that we are still trying to figure out that I will have enough even if I share with my neighbor. And conquering fear is the hardest and most important part of our faith and in living our faith with integrity and with hope. But if we still fear not having enough, at the end of the day, what are we afraid of? We're afraid of dying. Mm -hmm. We're afraid we won't have enough and we'll starve to death. We're afraid that someone will come and take things away from us and we'll die from exposure. We're afraid of dying. And that's why Jesus coming and rising again, right, this core idea of our faith that Jesus will bring us back to life, not necessarily for a heaven or hell kind of a world, but that this is not the end, that God is bigger than this and God is bigger than our experience, that if we can find the way to lose our fear of death, mm -hmm. then we can find our way to lose our fear. And you are so much harder to control when you are no longer afraid. Mm-hmm. These are some crazy hard concepts. Yes. Okay, so knowing that originally there really wasn't a man with horns <laughs> that was red and a tail, somehow we've morphed into the devil as that. What other pop culture references can you think of that are some of your favorites out there? Well, I think... For me right now, I'm actually really enjoying the show Lucifer. I've seen a few of them. It is an entertaining show. It's an entertaining show. And that is based on Neil Gaiman's work. If there are any nerds out there who know who Neil Gaiman is, it's based on his work, Sandman, a graphic novel. And I've been enjoying that. And it's actually not terribly off base from the scriptural representations that become this idea of Satan. And so it's actually, I find it enjoyable and fascinating to watch. I think it's, the second season is a little more romantic than, than needs theologically be. fascinating. But first season, the first season, theologically fascinating. Well, I guess one of my favorites happens to be, thanks to Saturday Night Live and The Church Lady. Going back to, I don't know, I guess it's temptation. Because if you do all these things that are seen as quote unquote bad, then you must be Satan. <laughs> <laughs> at least that one gets me to laugh which is a bonus total bonus okay i have not seen that one so i'm gonna have to go look that one up oh dana carvey it's a classic it's a classic so if you are thinking of some awesome pop culture references right now and you have other questions about this topic we would love to hear from you about it so find our facebook page and start filling in some questions and sharing some links because that could be pretty fun and it could be that all my information is inaccurate and there's someone out there who wants to completely correct me. That could be interesting, too. We haven't had a troll on our page yet. No, well, fingers crossed. <laughs> all right. This week, I'm going to ask the last question. Okay. So if you were being tempted to only do something for yourself and to do something that was just about taking care of you, what would Satan tempt you with? 
in, in the Lucifer show, he always says, what do you desire? But what, what could you be tempted with? What could I be tempted with? Oh, my friend, that list is long. <laughs> I mean, Oprah always told me I needed to have a me moment. <laughs> so I've been trying to build those. <laughs> I think that's what I would be tempted by as well. Would be like a week alone in the middle of nowhere. Oh, but yeah. with all the food prepped for me and like magically supplied. So I think I need like one of those Star Trek food generators. Sure. Right? So like a Star Trek food generator, really, really cozy blankets, and a cabin alone in the middle of nowhere for a week. Oh, man. Yeah. Some time alone where I get to control all the little things. And it's perfectly clean already. Opposite from you, I want to be the one making all the food that I want to eat the way I want to eat it. (laughs) That would be it. (laughs) And so you hear what tempts two introverts. There you go. (laughs) We are who we are. We are. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the devil. I look forward to sitting down with you another time on another topic. As do I. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We have been trying to do a little bit more Facebook Live kind of conversation. So if you are a regular listener to the Church Basement podcast, we would love to have you like our Facebook page and then watch for us to go live on Thursday afternoons when we do our recording. You can send us your questions. Let us know what you're thinking about. It would be great to have you active in that little space and giving us some more feedback. We can also always reach us at podcast at centralportland.org and send us an email and let us know what you're thinking. Until we are back in your ear again, thank you for listening. And remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>